In this episode, I'm joined by professional dog trainer Brenda Aloff. She is a nationally and internationally recognized speaker, clinician, and author. She'll be answering a student's question about how to keep horses and dogs safe around each other. Brenda is also an equestrian, so she is the perfect person to ask this question. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. So here we go. Episode 170, Dogs and Horses with Brenda Aloff. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. As I said, uh, Brenda is a nationally and internationally recognized speaker, clinician, and author. She has many books and a lot of online resources. At clinics, she is known for straightforward talk, a passion to make the daily lives of dogs better through promoting relationships between dogs and their owners, and a fun-loving sense of humor. Brenda has taught thousands of group classes from puppy to advanced competition to re-socialization classes for reactive dogs. Brenda's area of a specialization is problem behavior in canines. A large percentage of her practice consists of dogs that are referred when other training techniques have been exhausted or failed. A high percentage of the clientele consists of dogs with aggression problems. You can read even more about Brenda in the show notes, and you can go to brendaaloff.com uh, to see everything about her. All right, so let's get to the episode. All right, Brenda, welcome to the pod. Is this exciting or what? It's been a while. It has been a while, and I'm so excited to have this really good excuse to uh, to talk to you. So uh, yeah, I was trying to think. I couldn't remember what year it was um, that we first met, but I, I think you had invited me to it's be interviewed by you on a show you were doing or a radio thing or something. something like that. And I, we ended up then exchanging. Yeah. <laughs> because I had Oliver and you did a ton of help with Oliver. Yeah. I will never forget because I've had horses my whole life and I showed you some video and you said something like, well, I don't think I'd be letting him pin his ears back like that when you beat You had some kind of sketchy footage there. I was a little bit worried about you. <laughs> well, and you should have been because as it is, he turned out to be a real little pistol, as you know. Oh. There you go. We live and we learn. That's yep. When yep. you buy a horse off a of video, I now know why probably the locals didn't buy him. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, um, and then from there, uh, sort of fast, fast friendship developed, and um, was able to have you. You were in Florida, so I was able to meet up with you and. Uh, had some fun with my dog Sydney, and you oh, really and I helped got me. A lesson on that nice bay horse. Oh I, yeah, with Jedi, right? Yeah, Jedi. Yeah. I loved Jedi. He was yeah. so generous to me. He he was he was Barbie's dream horse. He's no longer yeah. with us, but he was amazing. And uh, yeah, and actually, there are some videos in in the Dressage Naturally video classroom that feature 
feature you. So we had some nice conversations. So yeah, so Brenda, you are definitely a friend, a friend of the pod, a friend of the classroom and a friend of mine. And um, yeah, so I um, recently had a dressage naturally student reach out to me with a question about horses and dogs. And so immediately I thought of you, not just because you're super qualified, um, but because I'm like, oh, here's a reason I can call Brenda. Um, but you are you you are uniquely qualified and in a second i'll read the question um because you are not only a you know expert dog trainer behaviorist but also you ride classical dressage so you are a horse person and um yeah maybe i should just get get right to the question if that's all right we can just spring on from there and see where we go um all right so this is from a woman named louise and she says how do you set up your dogs to be safe around horses and horses safe around dogs? What prerequisites or training do you do? And then she's talking about a video where I was riding Cora, my filly, and doing some of her first rides. And she noted that my dogs, as always, <laughs> were there. And I had made a remark about Sydney, my cattle dog, can sense tension. And when there's a little tension going up, she wants to stay get in the middle of it. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I had mentioned that I'm like, Oh, I can tell of course getting a little tense because in comes the dog. Um, so she says, I currently have a young pup and I always stress about getting them safe around horses and horses safe around them. I end up, I end up micromanaging and I think there must be a better way. And some context, she said, I had a horse strike a young dog and almost kill him. And the dog was just saying hello. So I've been really cautious ever since. So I think we have enough to talk about with that. Oh yeah, we can. That's like, I don't know, three or four months. (laughs) (laughs) But, but the short answer is, um, well, let's start with a little story. So my terriers, I never worried about my terriers around my horses because even if they did anything, the terriers, they were so stinking quick. They would just duck. And also they were super, super street smart. You know, they are they are quintessential predators. So they're just like your cattle dog. I felt like she was pretty street smart. And that is a little helpful. And uh, these days, I don't even know if I qualify as a, a dog owner anymore. I've got these miniature poodles. <laughs> well, I see a couple dogs in the background yes, there. They're, yes, they're everywhere here. I, I confiscated <laughs> the squeaky toy from one. I hope it didn't ruin your podcast too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't uh, hear it. <laughs> and they have no street smarts. So they like walk up to the horse's legs and jump on their legs. And, you know, my, my, my Lusitano standing on the cross ties when he was a youngster and he is, I am so lucky because he's a super chill dude. You know, he just kind of looked down and he said, what are you doing there? Little alien being and uh, scared me to death. But even when I had the terriers, there was a certain amount of training I did, but I got these poodles and I want to have them out there with me a little bit. So I did a lot more, like a totally different kind of training, you know, mostly with the terriers, I would just say, get, (laughs) they would go somewhere else. (laughs) But I don't think that really counts as training. Um, And these guys should say, get, and they're like, where? Uh, So it's just a (laughs) very different mentality. It made me appreciate a lot more you know, having, having them together. Cause my border collie was the same way. She just wanted to get out in front of them and stare at them anyway. Right. She just wanted to eye them. 
And so nobody ever came near them. They stayed at a distance kind of on their own. Um, and if the terriers did come close, they were very, they were just very watchful. Uh, so the first thing that I would say you need to do is be able to have your dog's attention. So you have to have name recognition. And that's not hard to teach. You say the dog's name and give them a cookie. You do that 20 times. When you look at when they when you say their name, they get pretty good at looking at you. Now, a lot of people, I can hear them already saying, my dog knows his name. Well, yeah, he knows his name right until you need him to know his name. And then he doesn't know his name. So you can't say I did this in the kitchen twice and now I'm good to go. Because to the dog, every time the context changes even slightly, they're, they're not great generalizers. They don't do that very well. So it's really important that you can say their name and they look at you. I don't always want them to come to me, right? Because most people yeah. do that. They say the dog's name. They have my, when I say my dog's name, they look at me and then they wait for instructions. And so that means in daily life, you just have to do that a lot. Um, you know, say the dog's name and then tell them to sit or lie down because maybe I want them to stay back. You know, the horse is on the cross ties. They're on the other side of the horse. I don't want to say their name and have them come running under the horse. Right. I also like to give the dogs locations to go so I can say go to your bed. So I'll have maybe a mat out there or something. I'll tell the dog to go to their bed and I'm expecting them to go to their bed. If they don't go to their bed, you really need to kind of stop the bus, take them to their bed, lay them down on the bed. This is where your bed is. When I say go there, go there. Practice before you get the horse out. Yeah. You know, don't wait until you're in the middle of trying to do something with the horse and the dogs there and so on and so forth, because that is absolutely 100% a way to disaster. Mm -hmm. I can, don't can I, can I interrupt a little bit? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is gonna be a ridiculous podcast where I'm like, oh, can I tell a cute dog story? <laughs> so when you're talking about getting attention and having in different contexts, so my little Yorkie poo Remy, um, <laughs> he's always struggling between the terrier and the poodle. Yes, brain. they're a little but, um, sometimes he gets he's not allowed out at night because it's you know owls. <laughs> and yes. uh, so he he if he gets out. I'll have to go out there and I'm calling and calling. I've got my flashlight. I'm calling and calling and calling. And at some point my flashlight will hit him and he'll, he can be like 10 feet away from me. And what I see is the front of his chest and the back of his head. Uh -huh. And he's literally sees me seeing him and he looks away going, I refuse to acknowledge you. And then he just sits there and lets me pick him up. So like that context uh, you know, because okay. other things he'll improve, but in that context, he's like, if I don't look at her, she can't I don't have to do anything. You know, just remember, they think that if you can't see them or they can't see you, you can't right. see them. So I had a basset hound, and of course, I got all these little terrier crates. And if he didn't want to do something, he'd run put his head in there. <laughs> and he was pretty convinced <laughs> that I could now not see him because he couldn't see me. And I'm like, you stealthy devil. Lucky for me, I have x-ray vision. Right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, back back to your list of that, wonderful that's instructions. A great, that's a great example, though. So you've got to have that. Yeah. And I do a lot of impulse control exercises. So I have some rules in the house. If I open a door, you better stop and look at me 
And if I don't say go through the door specifically, don't go through the door. And I am, because if you let your dog, if you always just open the door and let your dog run out, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be in the barn and you're going to open a stall door and the dog's going to run right in and they're going to run right into the horse because the horse is waiting at the stall door. And that is like a recipe for absolute disaster. So there are a lot of things that you do in daily life that you can start to prep for safety for the barn with the dog. And um, so impulse control is one of those things, you know, you sit and wait to be fed. You let me go through doors first and then I call you through. Um, if I tell you to go to your bed, go to your bed and lay down and be patient. Um, you can even have a tether at the barn. So put their bed there, put, you know, an eye hook in the wall, have a have a an appropriate sized leash, um, flat collar, no choke collars or anything like that to tie them to. And um, you can teach them to go to their bed and stay there by sending them to their bed, tethering them. And give them a frozen Kong or give them a, you know, a bone to chew on or something like that. Heck, we're in the barn. Just grab a handful of manure, right? Just kidding on that. Uh, <laughs> or not. <laughs> or not. There you go. I know we might as well. People are like, my dog is so picky. And I'm like, but he's eating rabbit poop right over there right now. So there you go. I think he can. Uh, so just basically that dog knows their name. They know, look at you when you say it. And that you can send them to a target area like a bed and they understand how to stay there. Now, that's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. I had a friend of mine who's training and she trains a lot of stallions and she had a herding breed dog. And she's like, he just runs the fence when I'm trying to train these youngsters and somebody's going to die <laughs> if we continue this. And I taught him to, I tether him and I would just tether him. Um, you know, we put a block so he couldn't like go under the fence exactly. Yeah. And we had a tether right there. And after she did that for a couple, three months, she could just tell him to go to that place and lay down and I'll be darned if he didn't. And she did it with a lot of verbal praise. You know, she'd ride, ride by and she'd say, good boy. Mm -hmm. And, but that made that whole, that wasn't just about dog safety. That was about human safety. Yeah. Because dog and horse safety is about human safety. Because if you get stuck in the middle of something, not it's not going to be pretty um so that's a so that being able to target them to an area and have them lay down and wait and stay there i'm working with another um trainer right now she actually helps me with desi and she's got a young german shepherd bitch and she started right from the get-go because she does a lot of clinics she started right from the get-go the dog goes with her. The dog lays down on a bed. If she gets up to help with a horse, the dog does not move. So now the dog is two years old. You tell her to go lay down. She goes and lays down and she stays there. And, you know, she always took a crate too. So if she needed a little break and when she was at home, she did a lot of lessons with the leash on the dog and the dog laying down in the middle of the arena with her and her foot on the leash. You know, none of that is fun. You know, and it's really time consuming. But if you don't do that, you're never going to have anything but a dog that is a, you know, kind of a heathen around the barn. Yeah. Um, so those stays are really, really important. And then the other thing that I really like to have is the distance down. And I start to teach it. I just take a treat. I give it a toss across the barn floor. And I when they get to the treat, I run up behind them. I'm like, lay down. And when they lay down, I'm like, what's a good dog? 
and I'll give them a treat. I might walk around them. And if they get up, I just put them back in place. I'm not rough or anything. You don't have to be. Just take them back to that exact place and tell them to lay down. And then there needs to be a clear release word. So when you're teaching a stay, the most important part of that stay is actually having a clear release word right from the get-go. Okay. And don't use okay because everybody uses okay. And then their dogs jump out of the back of the car into the parking lot at Meyer or something, right? So, oh, I guess at your place, you might have Piggly Wigglies. We have oh. <laughs> your grocery store chain. Publix, Winn-Dixie. Publix, there you go. There you go. Well, we have Meyer here in the Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are all things that you can do. And then when I got the poodles, I added something else. And I know this is something you probably teach to your horses on some level. I make sure that I can put my horse on the cross ties loose. I don't have them on a tie. Sometimes I don't even have their halter on. I've got a pretty safe area in which I can train that um, because if they leave, they go out my barn door, there's a long ways to get to any trouble and they're not going to leave their friends. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, so anyway, uh, I put them on the cross ties. And I teach the horse to stay. Yeah. I need to be able to go outside. I need to be able to go out of sight for a few seconds. And I need to be able to walk into my tack room, shut the door, get a saddle, get a bridle, get, you know, bidding harness, whatever I'm using, come back out with the equipment and they need to stay there. And I teach it just like I do to a dog, to be honest. Put them on the cross ties. I expect I might have to chase them down once or twice. So at first I might want the barn door closed and close all the stall doors. Make sure don't leave the tack door room uh, door open either. So they don't try to come in to a small area where it will be awkward. But mm-hmm. I put them on the cross ties and first I um, stand them on the cross ties and I hold out a treat. If they reach for the treat, I take it away. I make them wait. So when I hold out the treat and they stand really still and are very patient, then I give them the treat. So that's the first thing. If I'm going to use food with an animal, the first thing I really want to do is make sure that they understand what the currency is and how we're going to act around that currency. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then I get so I can walk a circle around them and they'll stay facing forward. And if they can, so at first I might give them a treat, walk to their shoulder, walk around the nose, walk to the other shoulder, give them a treat. Just exactly like I'm training a dog, rib to rib, until I can walk a whole circle around them. Then I start walking bigger circles, kind of, until I could put my hand on the tack room door. And if they can answer that question and they don't come after me, I, good boy, I feed them a treat. Otherwise, I just replace them. I play with that idea until I can do the whole enchilada. So in my barn, the floor is brick, kind of like cobblestones. And then the the cross tie mats are rubber. So I further train the horse to stay on the rubber mat. Do not come off the mat. Then I put the horse away and I bring the dogs out. And I teach the dogs not to go on the rubber mat. Oh, nice. You do not go on the rubber mat. If you get on the rubber mat, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, slap the mat with the whip or something, tell you to get off. If they get off, I'll throw cookies away from the mat, that kind of thing. Um, Go to your bed, go lay down. You do not touch the mat. Then I'll bring the horse out and actually put him on the cross ties. And the horse is expected to stay on the mat and the dogs are expected to stay off the mat. And that can be a little bit of an exciting moment. So make sure. 
you've really trained it. Like you've really been diligent about making it really clear to both the horse and the dogs what you're expecting. There you go. That's, yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's six months of work. (laughs) Yeah, that was, I mean, I really love how, what a beautiful list. I have everything written down that's so concise. And then, yeah, it's so much about thinking ahead about what am what am I going to need? Like picturing a situation, like yeah. sometimes I need my horse just to stay there so I can go deal with the dog or vice yeah. versa. But just to set that up um, with the spaces. And that's, I used to have mats in my grooming stalls and then the aisle was cement. Then yeah. I put mats all down the aisle. <laughs> So I'm like, but the horses still like, they know when they're in that little grooming stall space. Yeah. And I do the same thing, like hold. And I want to be able to go to the tack room, open the door, go in the door, go in the door and close the door or go so they can't see me anymore and be able to come out. And those are all things you just have to, you know, take the time and not let them rehearse, you know, oh, blew it again, (laughs) you know? Yeah, exactly. Because every time you have to correct them, you actually failed in your approximation. Yeah. Right? Like your approximation wasn't tiny enough. Who said it? Walter Zettel. I say this at my dog clinics all the time. He said, never teach your horse anything new. And <laughs> I he was speaking of approximations because you right. and I both know if you have a systematic approach and if you say, okay, I teach you this teeny thing and you're really good at it. And now I'll add another teeny thing. But each time you add a teeny thing, they can solve the new problem because they have the tools underneath of it so that they can solve it. And yeah. I think the biggest mistake people make is they're like, okay, I put the horse on the cross ties and walk into the tack room. Well, that's idiotic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know with um with Jennifer Zelligs, who does the, you know, works with sea lions and things like that, yeah. she'll have a team. And when she's teaching a hold or something, she, her, she'll be like, hold, as soon as the sea lion puts his nose on it, there's somebody with a stopwatch and they're counting one, two, yeah. and they have a log of knowing like four seconds is the longest yeah. this one is held. So if he goes to five, you've got to reward you've it. You've got to reward it. That's yeah. right. And, you know, mostly I do it. I, and I use this a lot in my dog training, just like we do in the horse training. You know how your natural horsemanship stuff, you teach the horse to, to stand back and stand still. Mm-hmm. That's the, like that's like the first thing you teach there, right? Yeah. Or one, one close to it. Yeah, boundaries. And- now, if your horse can do that, why can't your dog do that? Like, I don't get why people don't just, I guess, assume that, you know, you, so you and I, we, we humans, we get our brain, we get about 33% for a prefrontal cortex. How much do you think a dog gets? I guessed wrong the first time. Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> like 33% doesn't seem like enough most days, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, God, I'm slow. Yeah. <laughs> so slow. Oh my gosh. Dogs get five. Wow. Thought about it. And I'm like, be quick to catch some things, right? Like they must get at least 10, but no, they get five. This is why dogs don't generalize well, although I don't know that. People are so hot at that either, to be honest with you, but they very much behave according to a location. This mm-hmm. means if I leave my barn and go to another barn, do not think that training is going to hold up. It probably won't. Oh, interesting. So every new That's context. why you might want to have a mat that is uh, 
um, movable that you can just take it with you because you're like, look, here's your mat. Go to your mat. Here's a cookie. Good dog. Okay. I'll do a couple more. And now in this location, you should know where your bed is. And if I say get, you go there. That's where I want you to go. Yeah. Uh, So it's, it's that. And a horse, guess how much prefrontal cortex they get? You know, I don't know. Negligible. Negligible. Like most scientists say zero. (laughs) Wow. I know it makes writing seem even stupider. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's see if I can take 1200 pounds of reflex. It's not, it's not really using their brain. (laughs) (laughs) So I always, the horses and I have a, have a private joke now. I'm like, use your brain. And we all laugh. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Oh yeah. With, with, you know, in the past, I always, I had, well, I had this wonderful shepherd lab mix who was brilliant. Oh, yes. He was brilliant. And um, he, he was the first dog that I really had around horses where I was training him. And I thought, I'm so good at this. <laughs> you know. And then, uh, yeah. then I had a chihuahua and he was <laughs> actually pretty smart. Um, and just tended to kind of not get into too much trouble. Yeah. And then I got my Australian cattle dog. And then I thought. That was your wake up call. Yeah. I don't know what, like I need some Didn't more me. skills. And she was so interesting because you could, I couldn't say get out of here because she was attracted to tension. So if she was getting under the horse's feet, I went, Sydney, get out of here. She'd just go belly up. And she'd be like, well, I need to be right here. And she just, she was, she's so sweet, but she'd go in further and commit to being there. Yeah. So I have to go, Sydney, Sydney, come here. And then she'd like, hi, but it, you know, so I had to be able to really know her, see the situation. She, she wants to be in their feet. And if I get my tension up, she wants to go even more wherever I'm focusing and she wants to land there. So I had to get really good at having the go, what you were saying, go to. Oh, go somewhere somebody. else. Yeah. They don't yeah, want to was, away from you. And yeah. with the barriers, right? They were like, great. I'll see you in the next county later. That's better. Anyway, because I can get away with so much more yeah. when I stop watching. Yeah. With uh, with her, with my guys, I have two, I have arenas that have fences. And then I have one that's just goes from sand in the arena to, to grass. And something that has been working well is just to say out. And they they made the the they figured out that out meant on the other side of the fence or off the sand. And yeah, that, they, that took a lot of for is that the, a target. Mm. They're looking for something that looks different so they can say that's a target. Yeah. So if you have any kind of even like a towel or even uh you know yogurt lid it doesn't need to be much but that way when you say get because you can't tell a dog what not to do yeah yeah you can only tell them what to do right therefore we have to so and dogs learn targets really just like horses you've you've done some target training i know you have Mm -hmm. do all that trick stuff and I can remember being so impressed when I watched you work three or four horses at once. I was just, I'm like, I can barely lead one from the stall to the wash rack without a disaster. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so awesome. But basically 
you were using targeting then too, right? Like you, you targeted the three, worked one, kept the two on the target, and then you might change them out. Okay, you right. target. But but you needed a target because, well, horses, right? They'll just go start eating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you don't yeah, have yeah. no reason to not go do that. Yeah. So yeah, my my main thing I have is them coming in the arena. And yeah, and Sydney has like a couple places she sits that are outside the arena that she sort yeah. of, she gets on the bench or whatever. Yeah. But, but even Remy, he like, Remy will be, t- keep trying to come in and I go out and he'll, he'll immediately go run out. Like he knows yeah. Yeah. it doesn't always stop him from trying to come back in. I haven't been super successful with that, but what I've, what I've tried to make a point of is I keep the little dog biscuits in my pocket Yeah, and if I'm riding and they are staying out, I try to make a yes. note of going acknowledge yes. that and I go reward it yes. so that the only attention they get is not when I'm yelling for them to get out. Yeah, exactly. So that that I that works. Yeah. And if you have it, a targeted area where you throw the treats, mm-hmm. that can work even better because once right. again, the more the more defined it is, the easier it is for a dog to get. Gotcha. Because what they're not good at is a gray area. They are very poor at figuring out something that's a little bit like, yeah, out could be anywhere, but if you send them to a spot, but you're brilliant there, you can even have dog biscuits in your pocket. And as you ride by, toss them out. Yeah. And that's, and it's, what's, what's hard is when the dogs are being good, I don't always think about them, but I've had to be like, no, wait, you know, think reward reward that when they're volunteer, you know, they're doing the good behavior. Yeah. I think because there's a fence line, yeah, that helps. And, then, and in my other arena, definition. there's it's a distinct like it's the grass. So grass to the yeah, same but it I think I would it would be even better if I had like a spot. Well, oh. no, like the other side of the fence, that is something that they can determine is a boundary. Right. So it's you actually have the the ideal setup, but if you don't have something like that, you'll definitely need to have mm-hmm. some target to help them to help them figure yeah. that out. The other, the other um, dog horse issue I have is little Remy, who's six pounds. Yeah. Thinks it's funny to chase horses. Like he's, he's, you can scare him by looking at him too hard and he, he gets like, ah, don't look at me. Um, But with a horse around, he'll, he thinks it's fun to chase them. And that's really scary. And he is just lucky that they haven't killed him because they'll kick and they kick over him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But so again, keep the dog biscuits in the, in the pocket. And I practiced the recall a lot and practicing it before I need it practice. You know, if, if I look and he comes up, yes. And so it's so interesting because like Sydney's recall is amazing. I more have to like have her go away, but Remy, I need to have him to come. Yep. And, uh, but we are starting to get now, (laughs) how old is he? Um, where if the horses start to, if I'm riding and there's horses loose where I'm riding and the other horses start to go, I can actually, I can get him while I'm riding. I can get him to stop and at least look at me and not keep going. I count that as a win, but it, it takes, it it takes the cookies in the pocket every single day so yeah. that I, I can reward him in all the good moments. And I practice it when he's not distracted. And because yeah. um, it's hard when you're trying to do one thing and then this oh, other thing comes up and it's. And you're better than I am because I, my brain, all I can do is stay on the horse. 
<laughs> I'm hard put to just get that piece done, let alone be thinking where the dog is. In my <laughs> arena, I've got like kind of a seating area for people and you can park them there. And, mm-hmm. you know, the bench has a leg. And so I've got ties there. You can tie them there and be like, you just lay down and shut up and let me think over here. Yeah. And, and the tethers are really, really helpful because they they do help the dog learn how to stay there in those initial stages when you're, if, if you get a little distracted. Yeah. And just be able to like, get used to it there. The and... should be heavier. And you should lighten that reinforcement schedule as time goes on because fixed reinforcement schedules, and there are different varieties, but FR1 is the one that most dog trainers would talk about without understanding all the lingo, is he sits and I give him a cookie. Mm-hmm. If you leave an animal on FR1 forever, it the, the behavior may actually begin to disintegrate. And I've thought about that a lot. And I think one of the reasons is they start to go, well, she always has those same old cookies. So... You know, I can choose if that cookie is a high priority right now, I can do that. And if chasing the squirrel is a higher priority, well, then I'll do that because I, what I'm getting here is predictable. Mm. Uh, So you should really, as time goes on, and this is, we could debate about this one for hours. So trainers like Bob Bailey, who is a a natural student of Skinner, would tell you, you never get off a fixed schedule. But he raises the criteria. So what he does is, okay, my chicken pecks this target. So the chicken gets a reward. Well, now the chicken has to peck the target twice to get a reward, then three times to get a reward. And at that time, a lot of them will just start staying there. And then you've got a duration behavior and you can, but they're being so careful and so clinical about it. And very few people riding a horse in a barn with their dog are are, are going to be that clinical let's let's just right. talk to the audience we have the dem, you know consider the demographic so that's why things like tethers and targets can really give people you know into getting the behavior they want so they have more reinforceable moments but you shouldn't say every minute i'm going to give the dog a cookie it should be like well so here's the here's the best example i've come up with so i say i need you to sit by the door here and everybody that walks through the door is going to give you some money. And you're like, well, that rocks. I'll do that. So the first 10 people that walk through the door give you a dollar bill. And so do the next 10 people. And so you've 20 people have gone by and you've got 20 bucks. And you're like, well, you know, what I wanted to buy with this money was $20. So I sat here long enough. So I'm going to leave. And you think, well, maybe I'll get two more dollars and I can pay the tax on my 20 and have some left over. So you wait and two more people go by and you're just kind of, you know, thinking, well, I think that's enough. And somebody walks in and they hand you a $20 bill. All of a sudden it's like, well, huh, that's, that's okay. I just doubled my money with one person. So next 10 people come by and they give you a dollar and you're like, well, I have a lot of money now. The next person that walks in gives you a 50. You're like, mm. well, I tripled my money. That's how a variable schedule or an intermittent schedule is the technical term can work for you with your dog. So what I'm constantly trying to do is if it's a longer duration, maybe I toss them three cookies instead of one. Right. Right. Or you waited a long time. Here, here's a whole handful of cookies or or whatever. 
but you need to get them off that FR1 schedule somehow, whether you do it the Bob Bailey way, which is more how your friend that's training sea lions is going to do it. Mm -hmm. But we have to also understand that a lot of that training was developed for exotics. I'm not Mm -hmm. training an exotic animal. Yeah. And you know what? Their brain is different. I'm training a domestic animal. So I can actually use a little correction because I bet your friend training the sea lions I bet if the sea lion doesn't do exactly what she wants, I bet she does not go up and take him by the little snout and say, don't do that again. Oh, that's what's so fascinating. It's like you can't stick a rope on it or give it a nudge. There's some physical manipulation at some times and, and guiding through touch, but no, there's but, not a... Yeah, there's no... You do that no yank on the halter. Because they're like, well, you'll be dead. So ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, a domestic animal, we should be able to walk in and say, hey, you know, seek my approval a little bit. And if your Mm -hmm. other training is good, they will seek your approval a little bit. That's part of being a domestic dog is they should care a little bit about what you think. Uh, You know, our horses, who I think technically are considered feral, uh, they even care what we think. They care very much what we think. I know um, um, most of my horses, not necessarily Oliver, although in these days he he even seeks my approval a little bit. But, you know, you tell them they're a good boy. I just think how much harder my horses work for me than my dogs. Actually. Yeah. What we're asking them to do is often physically difficult, requires some g- gymnastic ability, requires their little brain to really be stressed. And mm-hmm. man, they try their little hearts out for you. So I always tell people, when I see people just being a Paz dispenser, I'm like, you know, dude, <laughs> you should ask for a little more than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I I could be making this up, but, um, you know, having different different value rewards, the inter, you know, intermittent. And, and I've felt in my horses that if they get that and they get like levels of excitement, you know, yes. from me, that I yeah. you know, have horses, they do it. And sometimes I'll give them a cookie and they're almost like, seriously, that was like nothing. You know, they almost are like, it, it feels like almost an insult. They're like, oh, this, this was a piece of cake. And um, like, what are you making a big deal of this for? And then other times if they, if I'm raising criteria and they go above and beyond, they really nail it. I'll have them go one cookie. Thank you. Another cookie. Thank you. They like actually yes. will like nine. That's, that's like a nine cookie thing that I just did. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's it's right. so, then it just feels so cool because I'm like, you get it. Like, Yeah, yeah no, but I felt that like, if you just get stuck in that, do it, get a treat, do the same yep. thing, get a treat. They, it, yep. they get bored. They, they, I think they want yeah, yeah, the, something the, needs the to brain change. desensitizes to it, actually. And I think it's also easier to make that choice about whether I want this one cookie or whatever else they're yeah. looking for. And so in learning theory, we would say that a fixed schedule makes a behavior look consistent. Hmm. But an intermittent schedule makes a behavior resistant to extinction. So you'll hear some people say stronger, but that's not really true. What it does is really makes the animal more likely to to face a little adversity and kind of fight through that adversity to get that little bit of different. And brains love stimulation, right? Yeah. And that one cookie thing, I don't know if 
I don't know if horses or dogs are smart enough to get bored the way a human could get bored, mm. but they can get a little desensitized. Yeah. Yeah. Right? That was like definitely... Variety is the spice of life. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Using so, a human um, term, but it, they kind of like it looks it like it looks like it, it doesn't because they're, like, they're kind of like you know, yeah, whatever yeah. Yeah. you know i was thinking about your analogy of sitting at the door everybody who passes yeah. gives a dollar and and i'm thinking all right well what would i do like if it's always a dollar every person it's easy to do the accounting and go yeah you know i can do something exactly. else but um but i was thinking gosh if someone gave me a 20 and then maybe a few people pass and didn't give me anything I'd still be like, it's worth it. I'm going to hang in here because I might get a 20 again and I'm still ahead. So yeah, yeah, it's 20 people before you were, and you'd still be even. Right. Right. At that point. Yeah. So it does, it makes you, it makes you a little more determined to stay on that task because Mm -hmm. you don't know what's coming. So yes, that's the whole, you nailed it. That's the whole resistance thing. And that's a, that's important because behaviors are easy to get when you have treats all the time mm-hmm. because it's that visible reinforcer available. So the other thing I would tell people is get pretty good about not um, making sure that the cookie is always visible. Mm-hmm. So they don't know ahead of time. Yeah, because sometimes I want them to be I say something and they're like, yeah, I guess I'll do it. And then I'm like, look, here's three cookies. And they're like, what? I didn't even know you had any. You yeah. Well, magical then. Like when I'm training dogs to get them ready for performance in the ring, I'll hide cookies in the windowsills. I hide them everywhere. And the dog does something really spectacular. I'm just like, wow, dude, that's really good. And I run, get a cookie and I give it to them. They're like, she's mm-hmm. magical. Like she just finds them yeah. everywhere. Instead like, of going, show me the cookie. And yeah. then I'll, you know, nobody wants that snotty. So they want to think there might, there might be a cookie. You just never know. Yeah. And that's yeah. why sometimes you might have cookies in your pocket. And if they're being really good, you don't give them one. What a good dog. It's a good boy. Yeah. So yeah. And as a matter of fact, my own dogs, if I lure them with a cookie into a position, I never just hand it to them after I lure it. Mm. I have found this to be a really important distinction because otherwise they're just following the cookie around and they're not really thinking about how they got it. It would Mm -hmm. be like, so the, the best analogy, this is not my own. I read this somewhere. It's like, if you, we were going into town from your house and I followed you in my car and I'm not familiar with the area, I could follow your car, but the whole time I'm concentrating on following your car. Because my brain is not going to notice the church that used to be there on the corner anyway. Right. But if you gave me directions and I had to go find it myself, even if I got lost once, I would be likely to be able to find it again. But if I just follow you, I probably would be totally lost. Right. And I think that's the same thing with the lure. So if I lure them into a sit or a down or whatever, I then take the cookie away. And if they look at me, and I can count to three, I'm like, that is very good. Now you can have. Gotcha. They have to not just do the behavior. They have to, st- I call it stabilizing the positioning to prove to me that they know why they're going to get that cookie. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm trying to think there must be some something in horse training that you do like that. I guess it's just a stabilization to your body posture, right? Really? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I don't do a ton of luring, but it's kind of like a last resort. It's like, well, this ain't working here. Follow the green bucket, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. because well, I know I I'm not really training. I don't feel like I'm really training. I just got it done. Yeah. And you I do. think that's and what you're saying. It's like, it's not, it's not resolved. They didn't come when they were called. They didn't follow me. They're just, yeah. you know, it's, it's sort of that last the last resort of, yeah. I don't well, have I the think- patience and I just need to get them yeah, over there exactly. and here, follow the cookie. Um, yeah. And my, I, my I Philly follows the golf cart when yeah, there's there a feeding go. time and it's this yeah. beautiful trot and she follows yes. well, there, her greens in it. You know, she, yeah. it's not magic. She's following the food, but it's still kind of, it's kind of cute and it's super efficient. Yeah. Because we call her and then she follows the food truck. I've used Um, that with sheep, with goats, with, you know, every animal I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we just do need to get it done. But I usually try to make a note like, okay, I got it done this time, but, mm -hmm. but I probably shouldn't rely on that entire. Yeah. And I don't do tons of food training with horses because some of them can get very aggressive about it. Mm-hmm. One of my sweetest horses, I had a gal that was interning here from the UK and, uh, and she was super excited because at my place, she was here visiting different dog trainers. And she's like, oh my God, I can cross species train here because I had sheep at the time. So she was pretty good. She taught one of my sheep to pick up a dumbbell and ha- put it in her hand mm-hmm. like a dog in about 15 minutes. I timed mm-hmm. her. Yeah, I had a, it, was a, it was a good sheep. She was a good smart little sheep. <laughs> she was actually a super greedy little sheep that had been bottle fed. So I knew she wouldn't be afraid of the person because that's the first requisite, right? And then, mm-hmm. but um, she wanted to train Topper, and Topper is my sweetest horse ever. He's very darling. Like I will probably never have a riding horse as nice as him again. Mm-hmm. Just had that very generous, very generous temperament. I taught him PF and Passage. And I have no idea what I'm doing, and he would just be mm-hmm. like, I could just see it. Flying changes, especially. He's like. Don't struggle so much. Just, I got the idea. If you'll stop taking me off balance entirely with your antics, I'll just do it. If you <laughs> if you just sit still and leave me alone. Yeah. Generous soul. Anyway, so she wanted to train Topper. So I said, okay. And I gave her the little bait bag with cookies because he was, I'd done some quicker training with him and uh, not always loving what I got, but he, he could do some things. And I said, listen. The first thing you need to do is project a little aura. And the first thing you need to teach him is to stay out of your space. Mm-hmm. So don't let him touch you with his nose. Right. So we go out and I hand her, you know, the bag of cookies and I give Topper a stern eye and took the lead off. And he said, well, yeah, that stern eye means nothing now, madam. <laughs> because this chick doesn't have a stern eye. <laughs> and he did. He walked straight up to her and he put his nose on the treat bag. Yeah. And I said, don't let him do that. And she just stood there and he knocked her down. He just took his big old nose yeah. and knocked her right on the ground. And I yeah, said, to, you have to have some authority. Yeah. Yeah. And to have the feeding posture, right? The the boundaries. Like and you so, get so, treats. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the I things I show her how to go out. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So go out with like a the importance of establishing authority before you train. Exactly. You really have to do that. And I don't care what species that's with. Absolutely. Yeah. The sort of calm default. And, you know, and I go out on purpose with a bucket of grain and I go, and this means back up and stay over there. So actually with my little filly, I did it so well that now if, if I'm ignoring her in the barn, she'll come up a little bit and then she backs up. 
And she's and it's like, did you see that? You didn't see that? And she she's like comes up a little bit and then yeah. she backs up. <laughs> so I'm like, well, that's nice. Hey everyone, a quick message to let you know about a really exciting limited time opportunity for learning at no extra cost. So now you've heard me rave about the video classroom. It's my video training library, and it's where you go to see this podcast in action with videos on pretty much everything that I teach. But for May, June, and July, we are going to be doing extra monthly live Q&A calls, and anyone who's in the classroom gets to attend at no extra cost. We've never offered this before, so it's a pretty cool opportunity. So this is such a great time to be able to speak with a real person, to get your questions answered, either about a particular video that you watched or a challenge that you're having with your horse. Now the video classroom, I think, is always the best deal. And for May, June, and July, it is going to be amazing. So go to dressagenaturally.net slash classroom and start your subscription today. There's always a one week free trial to check it out. Again, dressagenaturally.net slash classroom. Okay, now back to the pod. I wanted to, I wanted to circle back a little bit to the kind of tie, a, tie a nice little bow on the, yes. the dog, dog and horse stuff. So, I mean, great list that you got. And I think one of the things that I'm really hearing is there's, you know, advanced preparation, yeah. you know, knowing the situation you're going to be in, making some decisions to train it ahead of time. Yeah. And yeah. And, and to really, really prepare it. I mean, there's no way around that. And then what you can't prepare or train when you know, you haven't trained it yet, then it's management. Absolutely. Right. So like, I think she had said, you know, a, a dog came up to say hello to a horse and the horse attacked it. You know, if you wanted to be safe, I'd say never let the dog out with the horses. If yeah, you're my not going to be in a, a training yeah. situation. I think that is so important. If my dogs see a paddock fence and they go under it, man, the horse would have been better. <laughs> I'm sure I really get after them. I'm like, you get yeah. out of here. You're not supposed to be in there. Do not go in there. We should never assume horses like dogs. Yeah. That dogs are going to do the right thing around horses. Uh, because um, I think it's really interesting how people split things into this prey predator thing. Mm. Well, you've got a Lusitano. <laughs> yeah, Cora, Cora has trained Cora. Sydney really well. Cora, Cora looks at Sydney and Sydney's out of there and she'll go hide behind something because Cora has gone after her. And um, yeah. I mean, it's no, it, that's a predator. That's more like riding a German shepherd. Yeah. Than it is a flight animal. Um, because, you know, I've ridden since I was a child and all of your reflexes get used to if this is the object, the horse will spook here. Right. Spook and your Lusitano it. turns around to fight it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so that after a lifetime of you know, you, you feel the horse tense up. You're like, okay, your body says, okay, we're headed this way. And they do the exact opposite of it. I, and it was really funny. The lady that helped me find him said to me, she said, okay, the bullfighting horses have a little bit different set of reflexes. And I'm like, okay, what are they? And she said, well, you'll see it. 
You'll see. You'll see <laughs> Look out there. Yeah. Now I'm noticing that on Cora when she's Ooh, yeah. when she doesn't agree with me, she'll turn face rear and you know paw the air at me, and I just stare at her like really. But that's yeah. that's much yeah. more her reflex. And yeah, she will hunt down um, yes. Sydney if I'm not careful. So it's it's a little bit of me being able to, you know, tell Sydney to go load up, like go jump in the golf cart or something, yes. and me yeah. being able to get. Um, Cora's attention. So my horses are loose yes. a lot and I'm kind of yeah. out in the flow. And so I do practice, you know, with the horse, like Cora, and I want her to turn and look at me yeah. and, and I'll practice that. And, you know, and it doesn't always work, but I do practice. It. Yeah. Um, but that if I, you know, my horses, if I, if, if they're not looking at me, I, I want to be able to run to them and have yes. them turn around to yes, me. So exactly. I've practiced running as if I need to interrupt something. And, and yeah. at first they're like, you know, whoa, what are you doing? But they yeah. will stop and turn. And that was, that's what'll keep yeah, me quiet. Cool. So yeah. to be able to interrupt behavior, I think is. In both know, species is, is really important. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the only other thing that I would in our circling back. Yeah. And going off on another tangent, but in circling back okay. several times, <laughs> but keep your approximation small. Remember what Walter Zettel said, not just with the dog, but with the horse and with the horse and the dog. It's mm -hmm. so important that you present information to them in little steps that they can accomplish and build on step to step. It's, um, it's such a big deal to be able to do that for them because otherwise you're doing a lot of i think from the animal's viewpoint arbitrary punishment and while i have no no trouble at all taking names and kicking ass when that needs to be done when it's defiance but it's pretty unfair to punish them for what they don't know and i think we tend to assume that animals know a lot more than they do you know mm -hmm. i would no more take a stick and beat a horse into a piaf then I would try to beat my dog into a stay. But if you haven't trained a lot of animals, you think that if you get them at a certain level of excitement or arousal, that what you get there is the same as having it trained. And it is not. Yeah. So you can intimidate a dog back, but that can always be very, that can be very unreliable because you're teaching them to rely on their own instinct of fear to keep them out of trouble, which is probably going to get them into more trouble at some point. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like we would carefully prepare that payoff, you know, you or the flying changes or anything else. You want to teach it calm. You want them to understand it. You want to be able to control the arousal levels as you're teaching it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Sid Sydney really taught me that because yeah. of her, you know, that her reaction to tension was yeah. so opposite in, you know, other dogs, I'd be like the Chihuahua. I could be like, "Hey, get out of here!" And he's like, "Okay," <laughs> you know. Yeah. And you're, you know, Remy, I can, I can do that and use a turn voice, a stern voice, and he'll yes. go or it stop okay. my feet. But Sydney would do the other, and I was like, "This isn't working. I can't get into that mode." So I'd have to, um, you know, Sydney, often, yeah, Sydney, because you know, at, or hours. and then and then set up the training ahead of time yes. to go. Like yeah. you said, like you're not allowed on the mat, you're not allowed off the mat. Yeah. Um, yeah, to take the time to train that. But yeah, Sydney really, I was like, wow, I just can't do that. And that's perfect because like who wants to live in that er, growling at your yeah. dog mode? Well, it's, it's, it's silly. I think it's 
distressing for me too. But yeah. if I want to reduce punishment, I have to increase clarity. And it's really easy in the moment to get emotional and just start saying, everybody just needs to do, do what I want. <laughs> and don't we wish it was that darned easy, right? <laughs> We just all want that. I just want what I want. I want everybody else to to just do it. <laughs> but it doesn't work that way. It never has. That's not what training does. That's yeah. not what training is how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Brenda, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours, but well, I think we need we're to gonna... get together more often. Yeah. We can wrap this subject up in a in a tidy little package there. And uh, but yeah, I've I've always appreciated how, you know, you're, you're not, you're a trainer, you're a behaviorist you, and you can, you know, it's not just about dogs. It's just, a it's about training principles and we can, yeah. and because you're a horse person, um, I just love the way you can, you know, go across both and, uh, get the bigger principles. So I know we've had so some much. awful good fun with dogs and horses. Yeah. I just wish we lived closer. I do too. Better. Just move to Michigan. Just think of the nice cool weather you'd have right now. I know. I'm gonna have to start taking road trips in the summer. That's when I I really I've thought about that so many times. Michigan in the summer is stunning. Yeah. Okay. It is stunning. I just might I just might do that. So my door's open for you anytime, girlfriend. Sounds good. Okay, Brenda, can you tell people where they can find out more um, about you? And I know you have so many resources. Your book on, I don't remember what it's called, but puppy training or something. Yeah, <laughs> the book you have to problems, start with. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that helped me a lot. I have given that to to numerous people in some of your ways. So anyway, if you could share um, where people can find out more about you and if there's anything um, that you'd like to let people know about. Yeah. So first, I want to thank you for something you've done for me, which is write your books. And it is not just help me with my horses, but I mention your name at clinics all the time and send dog people to your website constantly. Oh, cool. Um, in um, your Dressage Naturally book, you had something that was so eye-opening for me. And it was that I don't remember the name of the essay, although I can quote some things from it. The essay of, you know, if your horse wrote an essay about you today, what would they? My life with Karen. If my horse wrote a book called My Life with Karen. Yeah. And my horses, it would be, you know, some days better, some days pretty bad, I think. Yeah. She's my shepherd even. She was such a good girl. But I think she often said, she's a good woman, none too bright, but she's a good woman and she tries hard. <laughs> <laughs> see when it's a book there's allowed to be some chapters that are you know but better than others course, but yeah, at the end of the day right. what they yeah. write on the jacket cover of the book is there was like, she's a good woman she tries she's hard. a good woman she tries hard yeah <laughs> but anyway so the website is brenda aloff.com and on the website if you go to the um um, the online classes, the virtual academy, there's a free webinar on there and it's called Essential Exercises for the Engaged Dog. And there's other free stuff on the website too. Um, but that would be, that would set you up to tell you a little bit about what exercises I think are the most important. And as you say, probably Puppy Problems would be the best book for a beginner because I talk about targeting to a mat 
and all kinds of other basic things that are really useful for every dog, distance drops, stuff like that. Cool. All right. And I'll um, put links to all these things in the show notes for anybody listening. Uh, yeah, look for the show notes. I'll put some links directly to that and that webinar um, that you mentioned. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you, Karen. It was so awesome to see you. I yeah. love you so much. I'm so glad you're helping so many people and that, um, you know, you've, you've done, your things are so full of, I don't know, curiosity, I think, which is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Yeah. I just, thank you. Uh, I recently heard, read a, a definition of mindfulness, which is like mindfulness is when you, you know, that you don't know. And if you know, you don't know, then you stay curious. <laughs> That's right. Because <laughs> you got to be here in this moment going, wait, what's going on? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. yeah, it comes from knowing I don't know. And we could do a whole nother podcast. Or I know I don't know. Moment, couldn't we? Just stay moment because that's where animals live and we tend to go back and forth in time and it can really confuse things. So there yeah, you go. Absolutely. That'll be our next our next topic. We'll there come you back. go. I'm ready. Whenever you're ready. All right. Thanks, Brenda. Take care, hon. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.